quotes Infused with the scent of potpourri Films we commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see they tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly podcast that reviews one or two new release titles every episode with an occasional free-for-all segment at the end that we call Potpourri. You can find more of our work, including written reviews, full episodes, show notes, and the complete backlog of our episodes at obsessiveviewer.com. You can also write into the show by emailing me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. And if you'd like to support us and get access to hundreds of exclusive episodes and reviews, you can join our Patreon. Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer where you can get access to content at any of our tier levels on a recurring monthly subscription basis or you can buy individual collections a la carte in the Patreon shop section. Uh, this week on Patreon, I'm doing my Flanagan Fridays, of course. I'm coming up on sort of toward the end of, of The Haunting of Hill House, which I think is a brilliant masterpiece of television. <laughs> it is blowing my mind. I haven't watched it. It's been like it was came out five years ago, and I'm watching each episode for the first time, and it's blowing my mind. Um, I am also a bit behind on my Sci-Fi Saturdays series. I'm still reviewing foundation but i'm a little bit behind but those reviews are up and starting tonight or tomorrow uh um i'm going to do episode reviews of shogun on fx slash hulu um very excited about that and uh and yeah and the other thing i want to talk about with patreon really quick is that last week on the show if you listen to the episode i did a live stream of myself recording it because it was a solo episode and i just wanted to dabble with like live streams and i think that in the future i might do that with some regularity at some point especially when i do like solo episodes but what i'm gonna do is post those live streams on Patreon. So if you want to get notified or see the live streams, you can join Patreon. Just you can join Patreon at the free level. So it just gives you like emails when I when I go live and everything. Um, and so do that if you want to watch me make an ass of myself on on camera. Um, so once again, uh, you can sign up for Patreon either free or paid at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And, uh, and yeah, so I am your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media and letterboxed at the username of obsessive viewer. And this week on the show in our featured review, we'll be reviewing Ethan Cohen's latest movie, his first solo outing, um, fictional solo outing, um, drive away dolls, which opened in theaters on February 23rd. And for this week's secondary review, we're going to be reviewing monolith, which is currently available on VOD and streaming on hoopla. And, uh, joining me tonight for our featured review is my friend and IFJ colleague, Brent Luthold, who can be followed on letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash awaken the dark. You can also read his reviews and find his podcast at awaken the dark.com. And later in the show, we'll be joined by, uh, or I'll be joined by my friend uh, and colleague, Joe Shearer, um, who can be followed on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Joe R. Shearer, uh, in that we're going to be doing our uh, review of Monolith there later in the show. Uh, that was a clean intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we'll talk uh, talk to Joe about all of his stuff later. But for now, Brent, welcome back to the show. How have you been? Uh, yeah, thank you for ha- having me. Uh, I've been uh, yeah, I've been doing great. Just 
consuming the movies, doing the thing. Yes, nice. Yeah, yeah. I do want to uh, say I haven't, I haven't, I haven't listened to it yet, but. You uh, successfully brought back Awake in the Dark, the podcast. That's right. It's back. Yes. Uh, episode 79 with our friend Ben Sears. Uh, you guys talked about the 2024 Oscar nominees. Uh, how did, how did, how'd that go? And how excited are you for the Oscars and everything? Uh, I'm excited. I blew through my monthly storage limit on <laughs> Libsyn mm-hmm. for, for one podcast. <laughs> nice. It was like two hours in 20 minutes but it was it was well worth it yeah nice. ben and i usually talk about uh oscars he calls it the most wonderful time of the year mm-hmm. and um yeah yeah it was a lot of fun and uh yeah we we, we went through all the categories we did it and <laughs> you know <laughs> predictions preferences and then you know if we had like you know overlook picks you know things like that so mm-hmm. stuff that wouldn't have a snowball chance in hell those are things yeah. we kind of just threw out there for every category and uh <laughs> yeah it was, it was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. uh yeah, excited for the Oscars. Don't really know what to expect. Uh, apparently, Ryan Gosling is going to be performing. I'm just Ken, so that's. Cool. I saw that. Yeah, um, that'll nice. that'll be fun to watch him do that. And uh, yeah, I don't really know. I usually don't go into the telecast knowing very much. As mm-hmm. much as we know about like all the awards and the nominations and everything, I don't know. More and more, I just feel like I've been going in just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like it'll be whatever it is, and yeah. then. Hopefully, you know, it'll be surprises and no one will get slapped. And, yeah. you know, it's just like, it'll be a good time. I don't know. Either no one will get slapped. No one will say the wrong name of the ty- of the movie. No one will yeah. uh, mispronounce this, someone's name. Was was the uh, Adele Dazeem thing, was that at the Oscars or was that? I think it was the yes. Oscars, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Because I think it was him introducing her for performing let it go which would have been oh, yeah. 2014 mm-hmm. original song if i had to guess so wow yeah yeah uh so who knows what's going to happen at the oscars but what will happen is that if you're listening to this you will listen to awake in the dark episode 79 <laughs> <laughs> um if you want to i don't want to put that pressure on you guys <laughs> but i highly recommend it um so uh yeah and then elsewhere on awakenthedark.com you have reviews of driveaway dolls Right? You posted a review? Yes. Um, And then Madam Web, Lisa Frankenstein, Argyle. Um, Yeah, so you've been been a busy little uh, film critic there. Um, Yeah, Lisa Frankenstein is now POVD as of today, apparently. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. So pretty pretty quick turnaround. So that was, uh, what, earlier this month? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Well, yeah. I I am going to bring that up in potpourri um, at the end of the episode. I hope I remember to mention that it's on P, uh, that is on VOD now. Um, if I forget to mention that, don't worry about it, guys, because uh, you guys heard it here um, yeah. <laughs> at, this, at this point in the episode. Um, yeah. So so uh, like usually I do news before the reviews and everything, but I don't have anything and. Uh, since you are not going to be here for the secondary review, I wanted to uh, give you your own little potpourri section here, Brent. What have you watched lately, and uh, how like how have you felt about it? Um, yeah. So besides uh, Driveway Dolls, I did catch the early IMAX screening of Dune Part Two, nice. um, which was uh, Sunday the twenty fifth, so a couple days ago from when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty packed house. I saw it here in um, in Fort Wayne. They did have the popcorn buckets out, and 
they kind of made it, it almost seemed like a trick or treat bucket sort of thing. Like put mm. your hand in if you dare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think that kind of fundamentally understand misunderstands why we're right. talking about the doom pop. We're about to get bucket, but regardless, yeah. uh, they yeah. did have it out. And I snapped a photo because I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, this is the follow-up, the, the Neville news follow-up to Dune part one, I guess, retroactively. Mm. Uh, this was supposed to come out in November of 23 and is, yeah. is coming out uh, a few months later, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was wonderful. I don't know. I don't know. I it, It's very, I feel like it's pretty different from the, from part one okay. in that it's, um, it's, uh, it's a lot more plot dense. Well, well, I would say sort of, it, the, the part one definitely like sets the stage and i feel like part two is just really kind of like it really it really moves like i mean it it right. it's two hours 45 but i mean it really packs a lot sort of in there and they do introduce you know different characters and new uh you know like worlds and, and mm. different sort of things there but uh yeah it was terrific i was a huge fan of the first one i've not read the book so watching these movies is like, you know, it's like me watching Star Wars again or, or, or <laughs> watching Star Wars for the first time because it's like, I don't know, like, that uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. And I'm mm -hmm. sorry if there are people uh, watching who don't know that either. But, <laughs> right. you know, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like, I didn't know the things that were going to happen story-wise until I saw it. So, nice. uh, so it was, it was pretty neat. Um Compared to other sort of heroes journey tales or trilogies or whatever, I will say I really like the moral ambiguity that the movies seem to tap into that I would assume is from also from the novels. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have like, you know, Frodo is tasked with bringing the ring to Mordor and, you know, putting it in the ring. And like, it's the whole way we know we're like, rooting for him he's gonna have obstacles and blah 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 or you know you know luke is gonna do whatever it, it's it's more of a straight line and not, and nothing wrong with those you know movies that's that's awesome sure. and they're, they're great films but um i like from th this story's perspective that it's it's very much not a linear sort of thing morally mm. um and i i, th I thought that was Really, I, I thought that really carried out well through Timothy Chalamet's performance. I think it's the best performance he's uh, he's given so far. Oh, um, nice. I like think overall, he's, he's, yeah. Oh I, wow! I, I really, I can't, I can't think of a performance of his that I think is is better than than what he does in in part two with what it, with what Paul goes. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to like. I mean, right. uh, people in the book who have read the books, they probably know from what wasn't in part one with what will be in part two, mm -hmm. and probably what to expect now with Doom Messiah. Mm -hmm. um but it's it's quite something um i think it's nice. it's 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 really a different kind of uh performance uh than he's even giving in part one uh there's just a lot of transformation there and growth and uh i didn't know <laughs> with this movie like i know that this is part one and part two of dune the book mm -hmm. but i know that there are other dune books yeah but <sighs> it really seems like Dune Messiah is going to be the third in this movie trilogy. Mm. So I just want to make people aware going into this, that like, you know, <laughs> um, Zendaya's character even says that in this, it's like, 
this isn't over or something. Okay. Kind of how she said this is only the beginning, <laughs> yeah. at the end of part one. She has a line that's like that. That's mm. like, you know, this isn't the end or something like that. And <laughs> I, I have to imagine that's that's the knee sort of mm. kind of winking a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not like Amy or anything, but mm. uh, she doesn't like clear, stare at like, the camera and say like, no, there's going to be doesn't. a third movie. <laughs> there's going to be a third one. Yeah, you're going to help us with that, right, audience? Um, so I don't know the contents of Messiah. Mm. I don't know what comes up in that book. So I'm kind of, you know, flying blind. But I just want to say, like, part two does not end, like, conclusively with okay. saying, like, oh, this is the end of Dune the book. Mm -hmm. It's very much like, no, we're going to have a third chapter to wrap this up. Nice. Uh, so I just feel like it's good for people to know that because, mm -hmm. you know, we're we're having quite a few movies now in these franchises that... um it's kind of in limbo with like if they're going to wrap things up. Of course, we had that with like uh, across the Spider Verse. Mm -hmm. With you know that it's uh, uh, that was something where it's like we kind of knew there was going to be a trilogy, but man, it's a really big cliffhanger on that. Yeah. Um, and then Dead Reckoning, which retroactively now is not a part one, right? So it's sort of like this whole thing. <laughs> so I just I just want to be clear: if you're seeing part two, I'm just saying don't expect it to totally end. Uh, mm -hmm. conclusively having said that it is immensely satisfying nice um so we'll uh i will i'm pretty sure my friend paul not atreides unfortunately <laughs> um is going to be on awake in the dark sometime nice. in early march and we'll mm -hmm. we'll talk about it more extensively nice. but uh so you can max out the libsyn storage yeah, space for exactly march right <laughs> yeah yeah we're gonna have to do a part one and part two for that one too <laughs> i imagine but uh yeah, I was I was nice. I was blown away. I think what uh what Denis is doing with mm -hmm. these is uh I mean, it's like him and Chris Tom. I mean, they're they're like the only two that are doing like this kind of movie making on this scale and yeah. also doing it really, really, really well. Yeah. There's a lot, lot of integrity and creativity. Yeah. I so like I haven't seen Dune Part 2, but like I'm seeing it Thursday. So the day, like when you guys are listening to this, the day it comes out, if you guys are listening to this, the day it comes out, I'm seeing Dune today. Uh, leap day. Happy leap day. But um, I like I have full faith in Denny Villeneuve and it's just something that I, I've talked about and I talked about it in, in our Dune review and, and past episodes and everything that I remember just reading that he was talking about how Dune is his passion project. He has been a huge fan of Dune, the property for his like entire life. This is the thing that he's been building toward. And like he said, like he said something to the effect of uh, Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 were like the test runs to make Dune. Uh, and I'm just like, the, like, that's, it, it blows my mind. Like, two of the best sci fi movies that I've seen in recent years, one of which being a legacy sequel to a beloved, massive property. And like, these are, test runs for him to do his passion project right like yeah. that just it just the context of that blows my mind a little bit um but it, yeah but i've seen the first dune a few times now and i really it like it, i warmed up to it the second time i saw it and then did a commentary track on patreon actually um but i can't wait to watch dune part two um yeah and and i can't wait to see what 
pushes the third movie whenever it comes out what pushes that out of its original release date window because dune was postponed <laughs> because of covid dune part yep. two the strikes uh we'll see what happens with with dune some Messiah, other dune unmitigated three. unforeseen <laughs> yeah. disaster yes um Ugh. yeah that's the thing it's like you know the world is conspiring to mm. uh to take down this this uh trilogy and uh, yep. i can't do it nope can't do it denny's too strong Yes. Yeah. Uh well that's great. And uh of course I believe you will also have a review of Dune Part Two up, I'm sure, probably. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's what I'll that'll be my written review for next week. Nice. And yeah, podcast episode yeah, early March. Nice. Well, check that out, guys. When uh, when that comes out, uh go to awakenthedark.com. Uh Thank so you. yeah. Um Anything else, uh, or should we go into our featured review for the evening? No. Yeah, we can uh, drive right into driveway. Nice. All right. So, uh, of course, we're going to do a uh, non-spoiler review and spoiler review for Drive-Away Dolls, which is currently playing in theaters. Uh, to bring us into the spoiler review, I'll play a clip from the trailer. Uh, but for now, we're just going to do a non-spoiler review. Um, like I said, it's in theaters. Uh, it was released on February 23rd, so last week. And the premise is... Uh, Jamie regrets her breakup with her girlfriend while Marion d- needs to relax. In search of a fresh fresh start, they embark on an unexpected road trip to Tallahassee. Things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals. Uh, director was Ethan Cohen. Writers were Ethan Cohen and Trisha Cook, who I believe is his wife. Is that right, Dina? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and the cast includes Margaret Qualley, uh, Geraldine Viswanathan, Beanie Feldstein, Joey Slotnick, C.J. Wilson, and Coleman Domingo. Also, um, Pedro Pascal, Matt Damon, uh, and other people. Um, so, Brent, uh, yeah, so in, in non-spoilers, uh, how did you feel going into Drive-Away Dolls, and what did you think of the movie? Uh, yeah, I I generally, yeah, liked it a good bit. Um this yeah being ethan cohen's you know first yeah technically fictional he did mm-hmm. a um he did a jerry lee lewis documentary called trouble in mind that premiered at can in 22 in june of 22 and then kind of just sat there uh no one really like a24 technically picked it up but they, they did not push it release it really and it actually had a very very quiet unannounced release on amazon prime uh, earlier this month <clears throat> and by that i mean i literally saw it on just watch like trouble in mind isn't that the ethan cohen documentary <laughs> that he did about jerry lee lewis from like, a year and a half ago so i watched it and kind of realized why 24 didn't do anything with it because it's not uh, especially good oof. um his wife trisha cook uh edited it hmm. um my understanding is that this was kind of a covid project Oh, okay. um, it is not a long documentary. It's like 75 minutes long. But it doesn't really say that much. Like if you're going to do a documentary about Jerry Lee Lewis, like there's kind of some stuff to, you know, a mess of wires to kind of untangle. <laughs> and like, not only does it not do that, but it doesn't really even like, y- you know, it, it doesn't uh, really. It's not a talking heads uh, documentary, which is fine. But, like, it's literally just footage from, like, interviews that he did and then performances. A lot of it, like, half of it is just performances he did. And it's like, okay, I don't know. It just, it's just not 
it's just not a very good documentary. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of unfortunate. Um, so I didn't go into Driveway Dolls with like comparing it to because they're just two kind of different efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, but Driveway Dolls is definitely more uh, more fun, more in the traditional sort of Cohen's sort of speed. Yeah. Um, Joel's solo uh, effort was the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, yeah. came out a few years ago and that's of course shakespearean black and white <laughs> yeah uh you know very uh very buttoned up that sort of thing mm. uh driveway dolls is not that uh, no. so it's very much <laughs> kind of it's kind of fun watching the clone brothers if they are going to part ways which you know is sad and hopefully they'll come back yeah. uh together as is rumored um if they're going to part ways it's fun to watch them do two totally different <laughs> different projects so yeah that was kind of the context by which uh i i enjoyed driveway dolls nice uh yeah you know what's funny i didn't really know anything about the movie going into it i didn't see the trailer i just knew that it was ethan cohen and a caper comedy of sorts um and i was pretty pleasantly surprised with it um mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think that the chemistry between, uh, Margaret Qualley and Geraldine, uh, Viswanathan is really great as this, like, just balancing act of these two kind of not polar opposite people, but these two people that are just, uh, very, di- with very different outlooks on what they're doing and what they should do and what it happens. But, uh, the kind of silliness that comes into play with, with the plot and, and the story is, is a lot of fun. It was very fun and energetic. Plus it's a pretty short movie. It's like less than 90 minutes. I think it's quick and Mm -hmm. breezy. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, and I just didn't know really what to expect from it. And that's always kind of a nice surprise. What I, didn't uh i'll save that for spoilers but um there there are elements to it that i felt really propelled the story forward in a, in a in fun ways that were unexpected namely the uh the two henchmen characters uh right. the comic relief of those two was i don't know it was just it was a lot of fun and like when it reaches a certain point there i was just kind of like blown away by just how off the wall it was. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed the energy of this movie. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of like Fargo, the series and that, yes, that first season was like a remix of Fargo. This kind of feels like a remix of like a few different kind of mm-hmm. Coen brothers movies. Um, you know, you sort of have that feel with the two henchmen that you mentioned. It's yeah. they have a different vibe than the henchmen in Fargo, but mm-hmm. when they're on the it's also a road movie, so you kind of yeah. get part of that. Um, this doesn't take place in Arizona, but there's definitely some of that raising Arizona sort of um, like kookiness. The the fact of them kind of you know, it's again, it's like a road movie, so you have mm-hmm. that that sort of thing. Um, so it, it has those traditional coen brothers um themes it has you know like kidnapping you get some blackmail mm-hmm. you get some misunder misunderstandings and yep. uh you know <laughs> characters with kind of like you know goofy names and mm-hmm. you know just kind of faces pop up that it's like oh yeah like i, I you would expect to see them uh in yeah. a coen brothers movie so um so yeah it's it, it's sort of i don't know for me it's you know kind of comfort food i, I rewatched mm-hmm. a few Coen Brothers movies. I've kind of uh, kind of in honor of Driveway Dolls. I had like 
there were a couple I hadn't seen, the, the Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty. And then there were just some others that I watched, Raising Arizona, uh, Blood Simple, um, to do to do a Cullen Brothers ranking, including their solo efforts. <laughs> just <laughs> nice. I figured to kind of bundle it all in or whatever. But uh, yeah. yeah, so I think I sort of had their filmography on my mind. And uh, yeah, I don't know with the people who aren't responding to this, and I don't want to sound like a snob, but like I don't mm. know if maybe it's just folks that aren't uh as familiar with their i guess i would say their brand style. Yeah, uh, yeah yeah their style yeah where it's just sort of like this is i don't like the you know it's like <laughs> yeah. i get i mean it, you know and especially if it's you know perhaps the you know the more puritanical of the mm-hmm. gen z's uh <laughs> will tell you now this is a very sex positive yes. uh, movie there is it isn't it is not uh ashamed uh, to nope. be very out there with that so <laughs> Who knows if people object to to it on those moral grounds, that's, that's kind of its own thing. Yeah. From my understanding, the original title was driveway dykes. Was that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, the, it's, it, it is a very, like you said, it's a very sex positive, uh, very LGBTQ friendly, uh, movie, but it doesn't like that. It's not driven by that. It's just this, it's it, it's this fun, goofy, heightened humor, heightened reality uh, to an extent, and just like I don't I don't know how to how to talk about it without really spoiling it. But like when when like the MacGuffin is revealed, I was just like I was so not expecting anything after that. <laughs> it's a really fun reveal. Yeah. I mean, when you find out essentially there's a brief cl- briefcase that they have in the trunk of their car that is this driveway service which uh, i guess that's a thing i've never yeah. heard of it but you have essentially you drive a car from one place to another and, and you don't have to pay the rental fee is my understanding and the, the mm. two characters here are yeah. short on cash so they say okay let's hit the road um but of course i'm going to them they have this briefcase in the trunk and it's filled with that has something that you know mm. we, we won't say in non-spoilers but uh <laughs> it's it's a very funny reveal the way that uh that yes they that all plays out for sure. Yeah. Um what did you think of the kind of psychedelic interludes between like between scenes that like it's like it's I don't even know if you'd say it ex- it's explained later in the movie but how did you feel about that as like kind of an overall uh, uh aesthetic that it was presenting us with? Um cuz I was a little thrown off by them a little bit. Um but once it kind of click together toward the end. I was like, yeah, I'm cool with it. But I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. Yeah. A lot of this movie to me sort of calls back to sort of counterculture movies from the, mm-hmm. the sixties and like late sixties, early seventies. So the one I was thinking about a lot was, you know, faster pussycat kill, kill, like, like mm-hmm. the Russ Meyer stuff. Um, a lot of the kind of the, uh, like John Waters stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. And either the kind of like exploitation stuff. Uh, from that era so kind of going into that with the story like besides the psychedelic stuff when those scenes came in i was like okay well they're doing sort of the campier stuff from those i I think uh pastor yeah has you know 
I think it has like a trip out sequence and stuff. <laughs> uh, and you have all sorts of movies from from that era, whether you know whatever two thousand one is Space Odyssey or oh, yeah. uh, you know, Willy, Willy Wonka, you know, yeah. that have like all these <laughs> creepy, trippy, weird uh, scenes that are kind of that are kind of brought in. Um, so I was just like, you know, you just you just <laughs> sort of take it. I I kind of figured that was for the aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, but of course they do. There's a few of them, and they do they do matter and they do yeah. they do come into the the plot um again in a very coen brothers way it reminded me to speaking of coen brothers movies uh the big lebowski uh, oh, there's yeah. there's these trippy scenes in that movie where you know uh, whatever in the bowling alley or mm-hmm. where he's flying and yep. stuff like that and i <laughs> i assume that's just straight out of um they have a di- they they are decidedly more psychedelic in this film but again mm-hmm. i sort of took that to be more the uh the aesthetic and they are technically they are flashback sequences mm-hmm. so it would have been back in that time that's true yeah that's fair i didn't it, it's so funny because like i did not do my due diligence and rewatch any coen brothers movies before this and it's just so when you when you put it in the context of of the similarities between uh like this and fargo and 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 big lebowski like drawing those comparisons just really makes solidifies this as a very Cohen brother movie <laughs> right. um which is also interesting because that's in kind of stark contrast to like the tragedy of Macbeth um right but it's just interesting to see Ethan Cohen kind of in his wheelhouse uh with this but um in terms of the henchmen I didn't make the connection of, of or I didn't draw a parallel to them from the the uh, the guys in 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 Fargo. That's a that's a really good comparison because it that like that bickering aspect between them in this movie is it's just it, there's this fun goofy energy to it that even like even though the movie goes to some relatively serious places um, and gets to the point where like yes this is this is this type of road movie where there's an object that people who are willing to kill people are wanting to get and these two people who have this object are not aware that they are you know in the crosshairs or they don't know the extent of how dangerous their their situation is um as those like kind of parallel storylines kind of converge and they realize like oh we're in a serious situation <laughs> like this is a very dramatic thing um the movie brings us into that drama brings us into that kind of thriller and uh fear for people's lives kind of aesthetic but it still sustains or still contains that that energy that kind of not even silly but like that that kind of just pulpy energy really and right. and the I don't know, and and just the energy that both Margaret Qualley and uh, Geraldine Viswanathan brought to the brought to the movie is fantastic, um, and is able to carry that through even the more serious moments to keep it more entertaining throughout those scenes. Yeah, I think Margaret Qualley is a really good casting choice mm-hmm. here. I'm a little worried that she. I was thinking between this and like Once Upon a Time. It's just oh, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to fall into this, like, sort of, like, hippie chick, you know, sort of, like, (laughs) perpetually, like, horny. I I don't don't know, but uh, I do think she's a good actress. But it was just funny. I was thinking back. And she doesn't have, like, a ton of credits to her name. I know she's she's married to Mary. Yeah, I think Mary did. Jack Mm -hmm. Antonoff, the uh, crazy famous uh, producer. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but uh i do think she's talented but i think she's a really good fit for this yeah she i said in my review like she definitely has some of that uh hi energy from uh from raising arizona mm-hmm. it's you know not as good as like nicholas cage's performance in that sure. movie, but she's tapping into that same kind of like uh really sort of um like flying by the seat of her pants sort of like she has like a i think a texan an accent in this technically but yeah, yeah. she just has like a like a southern accent generally yeah. it could be said and uh a lot of funny stuff and yeah. uh yeah geraldine uh, uh sorry but this one uh, i think yeah this one is one very good mm-hmm. uh she's wonderful as well she's another one that yeah she's i um first saw her i believe in blockers or first member in blockers and everything she's been in since then i've just i thought she's been really extraordinary mm-hmm. and uh yeah, that nice comedic foil, nice sort yeah. of, she's more sort of, uh, you know, buttoned up and, mm-hmm. and more restrained. Uh, Mark Holly's character is very much like, you know, bringing women back to the motel. Yeah. And, you know, free and just, spirit. Uh, yeah. He's a, constantly, and I love the names of the uh, the the lesbian bars that they go to, like the, <laughs> yeah. she, the she Shed. The and She like, Shed. <laughs> sugar and Spice. It's like yeah. all of these like three word like bars that are like, <laughs> you know, this takes place in 1999, but it's like, I you know, so I don't know if there would, mm. would be even more now. I have no idea, but it was just <laughs> it, very much that sort of uh, like, um, yeah, sort of road movie sort yeah. of vibe to it. And uh, I do have to say, I don't, this has been like a banner month for like between Sydney Sweeney and, and Madame Webb and mm-hmm. uh, Geraldine in this movie mm-hmm. of like making really obviously attractive women <laughs> not look ugly, but like right. put the glasses on them yeah. and like kind of the frumpier clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not fooling anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, I mean, it's more egregious than Madame Webb because there's so oh, many yeah. things about the movie that are terrible. Yeah. Um, and it's not as egregious <laughs> in this movie. Mm-hmm. And and there is, I mean, they, you know, there is a relationship that develops mm-hmm. and she does sort of, she changes the movie goes on. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I thought, I thought that was funny early on. I'm like, cause they even make a joke about how formally she's dressed yeah. at this, at this uh, you know, Jeep joint or whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it was, I just, that just came to mind. I was like, oh yeah, they're. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're not. Uh, she's got the paint on the overalls, you know, the whole not another team <laughs> yeah. movie thing. Yeah, yes. ponytail, she oh. ponytail, paint on overalls. What uh, is that? So, <laughs> it, it is, it is funny. Yeah, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, these are good looking people, and yeah. have, they have to pretend that they're not. <laughs> to, like you said, frump them up, and like, and like, she is very like, like you said, kind of buttoned down, and and she's she's like the straight man in the in the comedy duo here, and. Right. I do like that they don't make her quite as much of a as much of a like drag on the plot or anything like the they're mm-hmm. equal parts in this story and in like there's never a point where at least for me there was never a point where I was siding with one or the other or I was like okay why doesn't she just you know let her hair down and and you know and be more free spirited or like why doesn't she just stop fucking everyone and just like take some right. things seriously. Like it was a good balance between those two. Um, and I think they were, they were great together. And yeah, Margaret Qualley, like even with like the accent, like I'm not someone who gets hung up on accents or anything, but she's clearly doing like an exaggerated ac- uh, accent. Um, like it's clearly like an over the top a- accent, but I think that it really is, like it, it's very clear that she knows like what movie she's in and like that it's intentionally so because it's such a heightened 
reality in this movie that you need to have like a big accent or a big kind of like a big performance out, out of out of the free spirit character so i don't know i just think yeah, that was one together. thing that was one thing too again this being sort of a road movie and me mm-hmm. thinking about raising arizona it did have that sort of wiley coyote roadrunner thing and she's kind of like yes. being, you know like because one thing that kind of bugged me about the movie and this mm-hmm. is one of those things that just happens in the movie and you're just like, all right, these are choices mm-hmm. um, are the scene transitions, <laughs> which I just thought were like, all right, a little too on the nose. Uh, yeah. where they, like the screen like flips around and like screeches, you know, in another frame. Comes oh, in. It's yeah. like, you know, it's just kind of a little too much. And I yeah. think that's what they're doing. There is sort of a very like Looney Tunes sort mm-hmm. of like, again, like going back to like the sixties uh, sort of thing where it's, it's very cartoony and it's like, it's huh. fine. And honestly, maybe that won't even bother people. But I yeah. I was just like, eh, I don't <laughs> that's a, maybe a little too much. But, you know, I did maybe some not people really love that. Yeah, I did not think of it in like a kind of cartoony aspect. But that definitely like that definitely feels like the intention that feels like it's supposed to be this silly kind of kind of thing. I just thought it was just a weird flourish. I actually kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Um, they don't yeah. do it a ton, no. but it's it's there and anyway, it's a it's a minor gripe for me. Yeah. But yeah. That's fair. Um anything else that we can talk about in non-spoilers or do you want to go into spoilers? Anything else on the performances or anything else on anything? <laughs> I guess I would just say one other thing that I think is interesting in terms, since is, this is uh, Ethan Cohen's first like kind of fictional, uh, fictional foray, like mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the sort of paths, if you will, like with like Joel and then his wife, Frances McDormand, like she played Lady yeah. Macbeth in his Macbeth, very much like, again, Shakespearean, very like serious mm-hmm. and all that thing. Uh, Ethan wrote this with Trisha Cook, who is his wife, who also does identify as lesbian. Yeah they're like still married they're still like husband and wife i think they have like an open marriage i don't really need to know anything more than that that's their business um but this my understanding is this is something that they had been writing for a while and this is sort of something that had just been kind of gestating for for a certain time uh, with the original title that you had mentioned which again Mm -hmm. i think is that sort of reference to you know sort of more like beyond the valley of dolls or you know that i mean there you go that's the, the dolls is kind of right there yeah um but kind of you know <laughs> they would have more kind of crass uh language sort of in the, in the titles there so i think that's maybe what they were going with there they probably thought they would be able to market it better with the word dolls sure um, regardless <laughs> um this is something that i think they've been working on for a while so i think it's oh. kind of cool to not just think of like not just the cohen brothers mm. sort of splitting into different projects but kind of like those two couples going and yeah. doing really different projects that presumably they both had on their minds for a long mm. time because of course Macbeth has been around for right. uh quite a quite a while for, so. for a while yeah. <laughs> yeah a good bit yeah um i actually i actually don't no, I've. I think I forgot that Francis McDormand was uh, married to him to to uh, Joel Cohen. That's interesting. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Like, in like you said, we don't need to go into it or anything. But like, uh, Trisha Cook identifying as a lesbian. That's that's a really interesting angle because like that's. I mean the the movie. <laughs> like that's right. That's the voice of the movie is really. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. I like that. Um, yes. And then anything else on non-spoilers or should we spoil this movie? 
we can we can spoil it. There's definitely okay. some fun things. Oh there. yes, yes. All right. So we're gonna go into spoilers for Drive Away Dolls. Once again, it is currently in theaters. Um, I ended up rating it three point five stars out of five. Um, I enjoyed it overall. Um, it was a fun, brisk caper uh road movie um with with some good performances from especially the two leads uh what did you end up rating it brent uh i give it three and a half as well um it doesn't it doesn't re you know it's not up to that level and the cones are just at such a high Mm -hmm. watermark and i realize this is you know ethan's you know like a solo Mm -hmm. thing um but it, it kind of it reminds me of these other movies. So it's of course it's not quite as good as those, but we're talking about some real bangers. So oh, yeah. um it is still, yeah, definitely a, a fun watch, fun uh brisk watch. Nice. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go into spoilers for Drive Away Dolls. Here's a clip from the trailer. When we come back, we're gonna be spoiling Drive Away Dolls. If you want to skip to uh the secondary review, check the show notes for timestamps and also at obsessiveviewer.com slash OV417. Here we go. Spoilers for Drive Away Dolls. Curly's Drive Away, Pennsylvania's most trusted name in car delivery. Curly here. Don't call me Curly. And your name Curly? My name is Curly. We just met. It's too familiar. We're here for the car. Wait a minute. You call with a drop-off in Tallahassee, and then these broads come in and say they're ready to go to Tallahassee. They drive the car instead of you. Is that bad? Bad if they find the goods. What? We should see what's in here. I bet it's locked. All right, so spoilers on for Drive Away Dolls. Uh, Brent, w- let's uh, let's start with the um, the criminal element. Well, really, let's start with the beginning with uh, Pedro Pascal's um, cameo. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I was not expecting that to go the way that it did, and I was kind of expecting from the beginning with it being that violent and and weird like for a moment i thought like is this like a movie within the movie or is this something because it it kind of seemed like a very different kind of like pulpy noir thing and then mm-hmm. and then the movie itself is is kind of different from that but how did you feel about pedro pascal's role in the movie basically as limited as it was yeah yeah i thought it was fun i knew from the trailer that he was going to be in it but i mm-hmm. kind of just didn't know um exactly how long and then yeah once he goes down the alley i'm like ah, that's probably not gonna end up super great for him <laughs> yeah. uh yeah yeah i thought it was fun he's kind of everywhere these days and mm-hmm. that was a fun sort of callback you talked like how violent it is yeah. uh the guy who kills him goes after his eyeballs and he like yells out and i'm like oh man he got clagained again. Uh, I thought that was kind of a neat. Uh, yes. I thought that was a neat, like, uh, you know, sir, what is it? Uh, Viper in the Mountain callback, whatever. Uh, from yes. Thrones. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Viper in the Mountain. So, so that was fun. And that they cut him yelling in agony from his eyes getting gouged out to Beanie Feldstein having a, a really loud orgasm. That was like a, that's mm-hmm. a fun cut too. Um, so, yeah, it's a brief thing, but, uh, you know, always, always good to see him and. Yeah. You know, when he doesn't have the Mandalorian hat on, that's when your <laughs> eyes can get gouged out. Oh, so absolutely. Just yeah. a tip for the future. Yeah. He better watch out when he's in Fantastic Four. Um, <laughs> that's right. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't make that connection either. I didn't. Apparently, I didn't pay attention to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, I, I, I like that 
it's funny because like his severed head is like part one of the MacGuffin. Like there's that, and then there's the the um the phallic side of things, um, Mm -hmm. which we can get to and everything. But yeah, what like we're in spoilers. Like let's let's talk openly about about uh, this movie. What what uh, what else? Uh, uh yeah so so the uh so the briefcase contains five five dildos that we learn mm-hmm. were crafted or are basically molds mm-hmm. of five very famous and powerful men from i don't he's matt damon's character matt damon's in this i think you already said that part, yeah but, um he plays a uh senator somewhere in the south mm-hmm. um and the idea was that he was trying to like retrieve these so they're not like you know whatever out in the open mm-hmm. because he his his member is one of the ones that was uh that was molded uh by, by miley well, cyrus <laughs> by miley cyrus yeah, <laughs> yeah. i guess we're gonna do the whole thing so the whole connection <laughs> so these psychedelic flashbacks are of um of tiffany Plastercaster is is her name which <laughs> is based on a real uh woman mm-hmm. um who who was a groupie in the in the late 60s who who did make these plaster molds of the most famous one was of, of Jimi hendrix mm-hmm. uh before he passed and um i think like uh, the lead singer from like mc5 i think were a few mm-hmm. but Jimi hendrix was like the crown jewel if you will of, <laughs> of the ones that uh that this this woman had um that this real actual real life mm-hmm. uh, person had molded but uh that's kind of who they're riffing on in this movie with with miley cyrus um so she makes this mold of matt damon's senators characters uh you know junk in the in these flashbacks and then that's that it all of course it all sort of ties together yeah which i thought was i thought was that was a lot of fun that was i like one thing that i kind of i i would didn't have a problem with it but i feel like one of the things that i (laughs) I, I mean, this late in the movie, I don't think that it's necessarily something that'll detract from the audience, but I was surprised when, like, the henchmen in Coleman Domingo just got killed. They were gone. Like, that mm-hmm. whole, like, that sequence was a lot of fun, and I, again, the banter, the bickering between Joey Slotnick and C.J. Wilson uh, was a lot of fun, and, like, the way that it just dives into that, I guess, homoerotic energy or like that like casual reference to like them experimenting on each other a little bit and then he kills them and then they they both die um or then he kills coleman domingo and then i think he eventually dies from something i don't know but anyway um i just thought that was interesting and also i don't know how um i'm sure that there's more to mine from that in terms of like the overall movie being a uh set in 1999 having the just like super conservative christian uh senator wanting his like the proof of his impropriety or or things that aren't very um conservative christian <laughs> like aren't very right. family values um and then i don't know in centering it around um uh, lesbian characters while also having these henchmen characters kind of being like a um i don't know in that one moment like kind of masculine insecurity and killing each other and right i don't know it's it's i feel like there is 
something to all of that in terms of how it is dealing with gender dynamics and um i don't know um <laughs> like uh yeah the culture of the time um I, I think there's definitely something there. I think this mm -hmm. is kind of one of those classic things of like most of the male characters in this movie are kind of idiots. Yeah. And like <laughs> most of the female characters are are generally, you know, smart, know what's mm -hmm. going on for the plot, those sort of things. Um, yeah, the, the sort of shootout that you mentioned that mm -hmm. happens very quickly. And while the two uh, young women are tied up, mm -hmm. like that reminded me a little bit of the classic like Cohen's like, um, sort of not perfunctory violence, but just sort of like out of nowhere violence yes. from like late aughts Cullens. So like uh, No Country, um, A Serious Man and uh, Burn After Reading, which mm -hmm. actually Burn After Reading is, there's a little bit of that sort of DNA in this film as well, yeah. where characters will kind of just die like on a dime <laughs> for not reasons that really would make any sense, but it's just like, it's very Greek mythology where it's a you know very greek try it was like out of nowhere just lightning bolts are getting thrown in your ass so yep. it's just like that sort of energy that i i sort of liked in that scene but uh yeah and it's it's you're definitely right about like you know colin domingo i would say that's maybe the he, he, he generally like that's what's funny about it is like he does pretty much like he, he kind of figures out what's going on but then he still ends up getting shot for yeah. really no good reason no. or anything like that um but uh but yeah, so it, it is just funny. I did think it was funny too how the um, having like the dildos in the briefcase and everything, and that mm -hmm. the dildos kind of like come into play, like in terms of uh, <laughs> the, the relationship between the two characters yes. too. But there is kind of a Chekhov's dildo in the wall dildo <laughs> that Beanie Feldstein is unscrewing from oh, the wall. Yeah. And I know this is like a lesbian film, so dildos mm -hmm. aren't. It's not sometimes a dildo is just a dildo, <laughs> sure. but like, you know, I was thinking, of, I, I was like, I was like, that's so funny that that's like, th that sort of foreshadows, yes. you know, sort of dildos come. So, uh, yeah. And Beanie Feldstein's character, of course, I mean, she ends up, mm. you know, shooting Matt Damon sort of, you know, saving yeah. the day and, and, and all that. So that was, that was all good fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do feel like Beanie Feldstein was a little bit, I don't know, maybe not underused, but underutilized. Um, yeah, she's not in it. She's not in yeah. it a lot. And like when she is, she is kind of that that persona that is in opposition to Margaret Qualley and Geraldine Viswanathan's characters, which you need that and it's the context is there. Um, but it kind of just felt like it, if there's one part of the movie that didn't really gel with me all that well, it was probably her with not nothing against her or the character really um it's just one slight blemish that that's one thing that detracted from a less than 90 minute movie that's overall is very brisk and very well paced i was it kind of kind of slows down a little bit when she gets more incorporated into the plot and uh that feels like it's a little bit of a reach when like she pops up here and there and and I don't know that. That's yeah, she even kinda... pops up at Curly's uh, driveway thing. Yeah, and then doesn't bother to go in. Yeah. And of course, Bill, Bill Camp is like, it's a great small oh, that's role for great. him. I, I mean, yeah. he's awesome, but it's like, won't somebody save Curly? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but don't call him Curly. <laughs> it's too right. familiar. Just met. Yeah. Oh my god, that's great. But so uh, good. That's great too. After you know, when, you know, Matt Damon gets shot and kind of mm -hmm. the movie's winding down, there yeah. is this ridiculous newspaper headline that is so <laughs> yes. specific. It's like, 
Matt David, like Senator shot outside lesbian bar mm. is spotted with like a briefcase of dildos and a severed head. Yes. And then below it just has a pull quote from it. I can explain, says the scientist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you sure? <laughs> that can be explained away. It's so great. Uh, so it's just like funny <laughs> stuff like that where it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's just so goofy. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, so for that's what I feel like with this movie for like a short movie for like, you mm. know, 80 minutes, you know, less credits. It's like, it definitely packs quite a bit in in terms of again like comedy and just like all of the classic like caper stuff mm-hmm. and then what i thought was a perfectly nice sort of romance between yeah. you know, the, these two young women too which it was you know, sweet it's it's not there's not a ton of gravitas with it sure. but i thought it was i thought it was and that was nice. And like you said, I mean, yeah. they both have a, a lot of they, they just have good chemistry yeah. uh, with one another. So, yeah, I think it, it really played to both their strengths as performers and the strength of the writing in terms of it being like like Margaret Qualley being this like free spirited, free willing kind of person. So like when they're in a position where like, like the the basement party or whatever, the makeout party where they mm-hmm. like are like changing partners and like oh they need to make out now it's like margaret qualley's care i i don't have the character names that's why i keep just saying the actors but yeah um jamie i think he's yeah jamie oh and yeah jamie and marion yeah they're Marianne, literally yeah. right mm-hmm. there in front of me on the premise <laughs> jesus anyway jamie is like yeah let's go ahead and do it it's fine you know whatever we you know you need this so let's do this and it's very just casual and but you can sense like the feelings that are emerging between them. And sure. it's just like opening a, opening a, a door to them that I think is really well drawn and really well done. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah you get some nice uh, Linda Rodstead there mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And then blue Bayou, I think plays a couple times. Mm-hmm. They pan over, they do this nice sort of not necessarily, I don't know if it's a three sixty, but they're when they're in this makeout party and everything and they're, they're showing, I think it's just like soccer players house that mm. they say or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, again, very much with that seventies, although the yeah. Linda Ronstadt album cover that they have is pacing down the wind, which neither of those songs are on, but it doesn't Ugh. matter. The point is that it's just a, it's All just right. a nice album cover. <laughs> so it's okay. I'm okay with it. Okay. And well, I'm going to letterbox like, and I'm removing my three and a half stars. Right now, yeah. <laughs> well, the, and two stars, it's not even. like this movie came out in like it's not like this uh takes place in 1973 sure because it's all all of these things came out but mm-hmm. uh but anyway yeah it's it's a nice uh nice moment and then yeah. uh they yeah and then she has that moment where she's in jail and you know she blew by you plays again yeah. and that whole trampoline thing there's like all these scenes in this movie that are just kind of like these like uh little vignettes mm-hmm. uh but they 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 do they do add to something they do yeah they do kind of add to the characters and um, sort of what they're trying to the, the the story they're trying to go after. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Anything anything else for spoilers? Um, I don't I don't think I really got anything. <laughs> I think I spoiled the entire movie. Yeah. Because if we do this, if we do this section a little longer, it's gonna we're gonna be <laughs> talking gonna about be the movie the, longer yeah. than the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a good time. It's a it's it's a bummer to me that it's not doing well. It's yeah. not totally surprising, but it's just sort mm-hmm. of like, okay, it'll be PVOD next month you know, in March, and yeah. then like, who knows? Maybe it'll be like a cult movie or whatever. But it does make me wonder. Yeah. Like, um, Tragedy of Macbeth came out on Apple TV Plus, so mm-hmm. that wasn't really a box office office issue. Yeah. Um, but it does make me wonder because 
uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs is on Netflix. I'm like, oh, when yeah. the Coen brothers do return, like, what is their mm-hmm. box office? Like, what is that? You know, what does that look like? It's not all about box office, but mm-hmm. you do at a certain point with filmmakers. It's like, I, you know, I want to make sure they can get what they need to make yeah. the movies they want to make. <laughs> right. Know? That's, yeah, it's, I, I Honestly, I kind of completely forgot about the Ballad of Buster, Buster Scruggs. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Hopefully, when they come back together, if if they do, hopefully it's you know something theatrical and big and successful. So, um, yeah. But we'll we'll see. Time time will tell. Um, yeah. So once again, I rated it three and a half stars. Brent, any last words on Drive Away Dolls? I don't think so. Yeah. Nice. No. Fun. Uh, fun. Uh... Fun little movie, fun little deal. Nice. I totally agree. Uh, so yeah, once again, check out Brent's review on awakenthedark.com and uh, be on the lookout for his review of uh, Dune Part 2 and uh, his episode covering Dune Part 2 of Awaken the Dark, the podcast. Um, Brent, uh, we're going to bid you adieu here as we switch over to our secondary review uh, reviewing monolith with joe Shearer, but before we go uh once again thank you for joining me and where can people find you online and uh what uh what do you have coming down that i haven't already talked about like dune part two uh in terms yeah, of content the, the dune stuff is probably gonna yeah probably probably gonna do me for most of next week mm-hmm. and then yeah probably like imaginary or something like that i'm mm-hmm. not really sure um yeah, I don't, I don't I don't know exactly for March, but uh but yeah, there there should be some good titles there. Um nice. yeah, I ran short on time this week, but I did like Monolith quite a bit. Nice. Um I it's I'm I feel bad I couldn't join you in and yeah. talking about it, but uh it is a fun one. Mm. That is one that your boy Mike Flanagan uh called out on Letterboxd. Yes, so, uh, I saw that. Yeah, so yeah. that was that's what inspired me to watch it. Oh, nice. Um so uh so he is uh continues to be a force uh, for good mm-hmm. in the yes. cinematic and, and television landscapes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to people hearing the secondary review, but also, <laughs> uh, I think I, I will probably say I, we, I, and I'm not going to anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, my thing was, um, uh, Mike porn, um, <laughs> like podcasting oh, yeah. porn and that so i was uh excited to watch it for that reason but you'll yeah i don't know what you talk about in it but i (laughs) do love not only that they used a road bike which Mm -hmm. of course is a company that you love yes but this is an australian film oh Uh, oh my god i didn't even i didn't even connect that (laughs) i I assume that one of the reasons they they picked a a procaster um which is i'm almost positive the mic that she was using yeah uh throughout monolith uh probably had to do with wow with the roads in an australian company and i believe she was also using the psa1 boom arm i think that makes sense yeah yeah i couldn't tell with like the interface and mm-hmm. some of the other stuff but i know she was using a roadcaster i'm all, yeah. almost positive yeah it definitely um, was which for yeah. those listening is Rhodes kind of sm7b sort of like it, i don't know <laughs> it's their upper kind of um it's a step broadcast. up from the pod mic yeah 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 yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow. That just, I, I didn't even connect the Australian aspect of it. Anyway. Um, so <laughs> they're all about that corporate synergy down on down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Where can people find you online? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awake in the dark.com is usually the best that has my, uh, Facebook, 
X, Twitter X, uh, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, uh, Letterboxd. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much everything linked. Nice. They're kind of under different names some in some cases. So that's still usually the best uh, case. But yeah, if it's, if it's, if it's an emo- emerging social media platform, I'm probably on it. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks once again for joining me for Drive Away Dolls. And, uh, and yeah, we'll have you back on the show at some point uh, whenever you want. <laughs> and Killer. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, thank you, Brent. And we're going to go into our secondary review of the evening uh, with uh, me and Joe reviewing uh, Monolith here in just a moment. All right, and now uh, joining me for this week's secondary review is my friend and IFJ colleague Joe Shearer, who can be followed on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Joe R. Shearer. You can also find his writing at midwestfilmjournal.com and hear him on frequent appearances on the Medium Cool podcast, which is uh, has recently kind of made a resurgence. So uh, check those out. He also has a review of The Seating and uh, he contributed an essay on Jackie Brown to the Hold On To Your Butts uh, essay series on Midwest Film Journal, all about uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for joining me to uh, talk about Monolith. How are you doing? Great, great. Thank you. Also, don't forget the Die Hard with a Vengeance one. I did that too. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Did I do that? Hold on, let's make sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I meant to do three for that and I got two. So it was, yeah. Nice. That and, um, yeah, and the one for um, Jackie Brown, which Mm -hmm. I, I always love to tell people like, Yes, I very much said that I thought Jackie Brown was a better movie than uh, than Pulp Fiction was. Jeez, so, and I stand by it. You know, anyway, I can I can respect that. I can respect that. <laughs> Jackie Brown is an interesting movie. It's something that's grown on me a lot uh, over the yeah, years. So yeah. yeah, and I absolutely did write the one on Die Hard with a Vengeance. Also, nice. So, talking nice. about Samuel L. Jackson, um, and uh, I uh, honestly I was pretty proud of that one. To tell you the truth, I, nice. I did a lot about like about the kind of the the racial overtones of of that movie oh, which are obviously cool. sick but mm-hmm. um yeah i it's one of my one of my favorite more recent things that i've written <laughs> nice nice Go well yeah yeah check it out i'll put the links in the show notes of course and then uh also you've been you've been on medium cool for uh like since austin brought it back um yeah. i wanted to mention to you like i'm just i'm really enjoying it um really enjoying hearing yeah. you on the show and i'm glad to see austin back at it with that because i do enjoy that show yeah um, yeah it yeah he he had some some life things that he had to deal with um that you know took him way for quite a while and yeah mm-hmm. he he came to me a few months back and said he wanted, was ready to kind of start back up and want to know if i wanted to uh, contribute and i was like absolutely i'm back in and nice um so yeah we've been doing a couple things and we actually have some plans for other things um in the coming weeks that hopefully will kind of turn into something fun but in the meantime here I am hanging out with you and, nice. and doing stuff here on on uh, this monolith movie. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining me on this because I like, and I'm I'm sure I'll I will have said all of this before in the intro to the episode proper. But like, I went through a few different things. Like, I've been I've been doing weekly episodes, and like my original plan was to do Bleeding Love for the secondary review this week. And then my screener had expired and I was like, I'm not, uh, it's, it's fine. So <laughs> then, then I wanted to do scrambled and like, I had a very tight deadline for the screener to expire on that. And then I was like, well, uh, well, what about monolith? Because 
it has to do with podcasting and science fiction. That's right up my alley. And it's also like I have a screener for it, but it's also streaming on Hoopla. So I was like, yeah, let's just do that. So uh, we'll see whether that was a good (laughs) uh, decision or not. But uh, but yeah, so so yeah, what um, anything else on on Medium Cool or anything you got in the pipeline for Midwest Film Journal or writing elsewhere or anything? Yeah, not that this is that's just kind of the plan for the next few weeks, especially. But um, things always kind of jump in and there there certainly will be more things uh coming in the near future with midwest film journal i'll i'll um, nice. settle into something to to write on i have a bunch of as as you mentioned screeners and and yeah mm-hmm. it, it was a funny you know a, a little funny behind the scenes thing i guess is that <laughs> i had that same issue where you you know you we were talking and you, you know you were like oh yes i'm gonna do this and I, you're gonna do scrambled and i was like oh yes <laughs> i've got a screener for scrambled and then i went to watch it and it was expired also um <laughs> Some yeah, and it's it's funny because sometimes you get with these you get sometimes a day to watch mm-hmm. them or a couple of days they'll give you and then sometimes you have weeks and I knew I had weeks on this and I just wasn't sure when it would go. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, and then I was like, oh, monolith. Oh, that was expired too. I actually asked for <laughs> and got um, the um, an extension on that. So oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Good. yeah these are all very first world problems and everything like yeah it's like, not I, yeah. yeah nothing I, I ungrateful complain. or anything yeah no there's no <laughs> complaining there what i've what i'm doing yeah. like this this year for 2024 like my one of my goals is to provide more coverage and and get more screeners uh because we get inundated with a lot of like like you know press emails saying like oh hey this screener is available and i'm i kind of want to branch out and watch more things and kind of especially pay more attention to kind of the smaller movies that come that come uh, kind of in our our sphere um and so what i'm what i'm gonna what i have been doing to not great effect but what i have been doing is like i have a private letterbox list that anytime i get a screener i add it to that list it's private on letterbox only i can see it. and then i put in the in the description i put like the expiration date of it <laughs> and then oh, nice job. Yeah. yeah and then i just kind of have like a list that's like screeners to watch and then I avoid it for way too long. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's how I am too. I yeah. I just did it on Gmail right now and I have mm-hmm. like a I just star them on Gmail mm-hmm. and I found, you know, and I go through this list and it ends up being like you're go- we're going to give you one. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and I'm like, where is it at? And I can't find it. And <laughs> yeah. it ended up yeah. Yeah. It just, just when like anything, when you have organization mm-hmm. or lack thereof. Um, things fall through the cracks a little easier so yeah 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 and my gmail like i i don't want to get into like how frantic my inbox is and everything with everything but like i don't i'm one of those people that i'll get an email and then i'll just i'll just like leave it i'll leave it red and then just it piles up like i have thousands of emails (laughs) in my inbox and i'm like hey yeah Yeah. um but anyway (laughs) enough of this inside baseball stuff um, we are going to be, uh, doing our secondary review for the evening. Uh, we're talking about Monolith, which is a movie that is currently available to rent and buy on VOD. And it is also streaming on Hoopla, which if you don't have Hoopla, you can get it through your library and just connect your library card. Um, you get 10, uh, rentals a month. 
Um, and there's a there's a pretty decent stuff on uh, a pretty decent amount of stuff on there. Like, I don't know if it's specific to different libraries, but like my Hoopla account, like I have a ton of A24 movies on there. Um, there's like a, uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral was one. Mystic Pizza was another one that was also on there. Um, and then. Yeah, a bunch of A24 movies and everything. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, I, I used to get a lot of music off of there back in the oh, day, nice. but I haven't used it. My and my my library card expires like annually. Oh, interesting. So I haven't yeah, I have not been back for a couple of years um to even renew it. So I'm Dang. you know, it's a I mean, I think you just go in and do it, but mm-hmm. it's you know, it's like, you know, I used to go pretty frequently with my kids when my kids are younger, but now yeah. nowadays it's like, you know, we I actually go to the Brownsburg library more with my girlfriend and her kids mm-hmm. than I do with my own kids. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Nice. Um, so monolith, we are going to be doing a non-spoiler and spoiler review on this because there's some spoilery things that we can kind of discuss, but, um, the, uh, what I'll do is I'll put timestamps and everything. You guys know the drill. Um, but the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is, uh, this is a weird plot summary too, because it's, it feels like an incomplete sentence. Um, but the, pl- the <laughs> premise is a headstrong journalist whose investigative podcast uncovers a strange artifact, an alien conspiracy and the lies at the heart of her own story. Um, okay. Uh, director was Matt Vesley, and writer was Lucy Campbell, and the cast includes Lily Sullivan as the only person on screen, <laughs> and a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of supporting uh, voice performances um, as well. So, Joe, we are going to do a non-spoiler review of Monolith. Um I was going to ask like what, so, so you already had a screener. So was there anything about this movie that particularly piqued your interest that made you want to seek it out? Well, it's, I, I do. I mean, honestly, not in particular at, at the outset. Um, after I watched the trailer, um, I, you know, I thought it was, it was kind of an enticing kind of movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's got a bit of a sci-fi premise or at least one that's, um, it, it seems like it could be sci-fi, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's it's kind of a real world thing. Um, you, you know, a, a thriller, I, I, I'd hesitate to call it a horror movie, mm. um, but it, it almost seems like it wants to be a horror movie, but it's yeah. not really. Um, but, you know, I, and, and I like that whole premise that, you know, we talked about before we started recording um, that I, I don't know what you want to call it, but I, I, I would call it more, recently uh, like a lock sort of thing there was a yeah. movie lock several years ago with tom hardy where mm-hmm. it's essentially a, a one-person show yeah. the only person you really see is is the main character in that case it was tom hardy and in this case it was um what is her name uh, lily, lily sullivan. sullivan yeah yeah lily Very sullivan contained. who i yeah yeah I, and she and i and i realized too as i was looking at imdb that She's credited as the interviewer, and I and that made me think: Did we ever hear her an actual name for her character? Nope. No, um, we never did. She was in yeah. Evil Dead Rise also last year. Too. Yeah, I hear she was yeah. fantastic in that. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was yeah. I enjoyed Evil Dead Rise quite a bit. So nice. Um, yeah, there she is. Um, I, as I have, have pulled up, um, yeah, she was. The, <laughs> I think she was the mom. Yeah, that movie is very intense. And nice. um, as the first one was, um, but it's uh, yeah, she she was very good, and um, yeah, it, it's it's an interest. It certainly is an interesting premise to to go mm. um, 
in a low budget sort of way um, to to have what I guess the tease anyway, as you said, um, is like a sci- sort of a sci-fi kind of thing. Um, yeah. it, what does it say? That an alien conspiracy. Yeah. Um, it, but to be quite honest, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, but you mm-hmm. know exactly what that conspiracy is, I'm still not entirely sure about. Yeah, that's kind of the whole reason why I want to do a separate spoiler section, because I kind of want to figure, I want to work through some thoughts on that. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, but for me, this will not come as any surprise to anyone, but the thing that kind of made me interested in it was just like, I mean, the, the promotional materials, the poster, the the trailer, everything, very prominent podcast setup like there's a microphone there's a woman with headphones on she's recording a podcast and i'm like oh that's something i do i want to i want to go to there um but also just the whole sci-fi aspect of it because i'm a huge fan of science fiction one of my favorite movies uh, six or seven years ago was the vast of night was it six years i don't know uh the vast of night which is kind of a similar movie uh, to be honest better movie in my opinion but it was a fantastic movie um and this kind of evoked those thoughts a little bit when i when i kind of sought it out but um but going into it i had no idea that it was this self-contained isolation movie with this one character and one location um, and I think that the the lock comparison is pretty apt, um, but this movie also has a benefit of having like a what looks like a gorgeous location, like a completely gorgeous yes. house. Like I'm, yeah, like it's set up that she's there to she's there kind of uh, convalescing after you know her image was a little bit uh, tarnished from something that I think is intentionally left open ended and vague. Yeah. Uh, but basically it was implied that she was canceled and now she's doing podcasts to eke out a living while staying in, uh, her parents' house while they're away. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, so that's what kind of piqued my interest in, into monolith because I, I'm always kind of seeking out these kinds of smaller sci-fi things that could surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall in like non-spoilers, how did you feel about the movie overall? Yeah, it, I think that I enjoyed the what this movie wanted to be a little more than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you and you mentioned, you know, you mentioned uh, the the lead character. Um, she was yeah, she was a disgraced journalist. She yeah she made some sort of error or had she said had some unsubstantiated bit of something. Yeah, um, that was it ended up being sort of a an accusation kind of thing. Um, that was, you know, very, she very publicly did something bad and, mm-hmm. um, got hot and called out. And as you said, kind of canceled or she lost her job at the very least. And yeah, so she's doing this podcast and, um, yeah. And it, it just kind of goes weird, um, from there. It's, um, you know, like I said, the, the, this premise is, is pretty strong, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, if, and if you do it right, if you have the right actor and the right story, you can really do something very cool and kind of, I don't know, earth shattering if, you know, if you want to say that to, you know, if this was, if this was like a large scale alien invasion kind of movie and it, it has sort of, it could have sort of an invasion of the body snatchers kind of vibe where it builds this, you know, the, the paranoia. Um, But this kind of gets, I feel like it kind of gets bogged down in telling its backstory and, and, and that's also not to say like the, you know, we, we 
have said this alien conspiracy or <laughs> alien invasion. I don't even, but again, like, I don't even know that that's what this really is. Um, yeah. It's not real. Again, don't want to spoil, but it's not super clear mm-hmm. what actually happens um, as the film goes along. <laughs> but, uh, but that's, that's why, you know, that's why I, that's what my kind of my big criticism is that I, I just feel like it gets bogged down in mm-hmm. all of these details where, you know, she, she starts her podcast and you see, you know, you hear her like narrating a little bit. She ends up, she's interviewing people to, for the podcast and they tell their story and then she gets something else from a different story. And then she gets something else from a different story. Mm-hmm. And then some of the things kind of start lining up for her. And then they kind of start leaning in her direction a little bit. And you start then, then, and then you have to learn a whole new set of things that happened in her past. Yeah. And it's just sort of, after a while, you're sort of, trying to connect all the dots as she is, you know, she's, this is one of those movies where she's investigating mm-hmm. and she has the, the, in this case, it's like her, her, uh, sliding glass doors, yeah. you know, the giant, like fancy sliding glass door that she's like dropping post-it notes on. And, yep. you know, like she's got like the, the, the twine that she's connecting things basically. <laughs> and, and, you know, but it's like the whole, the whole way you're going, it's kind of like, Right, but for what? Like, yeah. what is the thing? there's a thing about these bricks? So, mm-hmm. you know, these bricks that are something they you have hallucinations, <laughs> and that that's just the whole thing. It's like it's not scary enough to really hit that horror note. Um, Absolutely, and it's also not it's not clear enough, I guess, to kind of support the what they're trying to do. You know, the this totally. larger story. Absolutely. The way that the movie kind of introduces this whole, like, the mystery of the bricks, like, it feels like they're, up until a certain point, the entire time, I kept thinking, like, man, I wish that this was more interesting. I wish that they were doing something a little bit more interesting with this backstory or with the escalation of, like, her learning more about these mysterious bricks. Like, there's some kind of disconnect with me where they introduce this concept of these like talismanic bricks that that give people visions and there's other properties to them but it's such a slog from the introduction to that as a concept to like where the movie eventually ends up but even before then it's not until it's not until something that we'll talk about in the spoilers that it kind of takes a turn in like that's like an hour into the movie and it's just like, yes, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. And it's not like an issue of it being an isolated single, single person, uh, movie, because I think she does a phenomenal job carrying this movie. She does, she does a really good job, but the issue is that a lot of the stuff that is going on is like built as a slow burn toward the ending. But when you just have one character, interacting with voices Mm -hmm. it just doesn't really it doesn't really sustain or it doesn't really keep up any momentum until until the end so yeah yeah. there there are times there's there's a couple of times in this movie where she you know basically so her um paranoia is sort of ramping up as things keep happening so things start to like we said these people are describing these things that are happening to them they describe this brick Mm -hmm. and then some of these things kind of start happening to her and she starts freaking out a little bit, but then there are just these scenes where she calls these people who she had just previously talked to and had 
a good working relationship with them and she starts lobbying insults at them and yeah and it doesn't really feel earned it's like mm. it's like you are staking an awful lot on what ends up being some assumptions and going in real hot with it too it's yeah. not like it's not like you're even talking to these people and like, oh, well, it's weird because this thing happened to me, just like right. it happened to you. Like, what's going on? And it's not like she arrives at it. She like is on the phone and she's like, listen, <laughs> I know some people and they're going to just like come at you with a club. You know, like right. not, not exactly. I mean, she does threaten <laughs> them, but not with physical yeah. violence. But, you know, it, it just it's just like zero to 60, like right away. Yeah. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, th this is pretty problematic i've i've right. been a freelance journalist doing interviews with people before <laughs> and it's enough for me to just want to get most people on the phone mm -hmm. much less to have these <laughs> you know in-depth conversations like they are having and yep. i wouldn't be like jumping on their case right away without some real hard proof right uh, <laughs> it's like well she just goes right at it so yeah. it must be a little different for her but yeah, uh, and like there's an argument that can be made that like maybe it's due to her being just very on edge because of what happened in her past or because of what like what led her to have to do podcasts and everything, but it's also like there's intentionally not enough backstory given to that. It's very vague. Um that it it doesn't really connect that that well. Um yeah. and then also there's something that the movie does that I in the moment, I kind of enjoyed, but the more I think about it, the more I think it was a missed opportunity. And that's where basically when she's when she's conducting an interview or she's talking to someone and they're giving their story, the the movie cuts to like their a POV of like their perspective going yeah. through like an empty space. And it's it has like uh, some certain sect decoration that's really interesting. Like that that's a really interesting thing but on one hand uh the sound design weirdly enough was like like those like i had to turn down the volume because it was like booming vo voices yeah and i'm like why is this movie about podcasting not mastered correctly <laughs> um and then the second thing was i just feel like those are like vignettes from other people's perspectives that she is apparently imagining but like why not just make like, I, it just seemed like a weird thing to do rather than have her have, like, escalating visions or use the space that she's in to create yeah. a more atmospheric kind of presence. But, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's that's the whole thing is that, I, I mean, and I agree with you. Though, yeah, those are sort of wasted moments because mm -hmm. they're, again, they're sort of creepy things that they're describing. Yeah. But the visuals are not and there's and there's even like horror film kind of music there right like oh it, yeah foreboding like and like building you know creepy music and it just never pays off there's not a scare in the movie it's not right it's not even a horror movie but from the trailer i was certainly led to believe it was at least had some aspects of that it was supposed to be at least a, a mind bender thriller sort of deal yeah and there's nothing that really, I mean, until like toward the end, there's some, there's a finally a, a thing at the end where it really feels, it finally feels like something weird, but yeah, it, until then there's nothing really. It's just right. like, isn't this creepy? Isn't this creepy? Yeah, cool. We're going to the next thing. <laughs> exactly. And there's, no, there's never a payoff. There's never a scare. It, and I, I kind of feel like if this movie had gotten 
had been gotten a hold of by a studio, it probably mm-hmm. they probably would have seen that and been like, "It's you need to throw a couple in." This yeah. is and I, now I'm not the hugest proponent of you know studio movies versus independent, sure. But I think a movie like this could have used a little more. Uh, had some producers that were maybe seasoned. I don't know who the producers are. I haven't even looked, but yeah. um, of this movie, but between the director, the writer, and the you know the people producing it, it it just feels awfully tame and slow and unexciting for a lot of it um and you know and like i said that once it does instead of ramping up it kind of like ramps and then drops back down toward the beginning i wish that we had seen some of those especially like the the background like or the there are some like uh at one point the the lead character she's watching home videos of herself Mm -hmm. as a child and i wish that had been introduced earlier yes and it as it is, it comes in about, I don't know, past the halfway point. Mm-hmm. And it's, as I said, kind of a new set of things you have to kind of yeah. pay attention to. If they had interspersed that earlier, it would have at least felt like it fit a little better. Yeah. Um, like, yeah and, and even kind of meshed with the, because as it turns out, it sort of does mesh with, with mm-hmm. that, with, um with the things that are happening in real time. But it, it's just sort of, oddly off as it is yes it quite land it comes in way too late and because of that like it's after the movie for me at least after the movie's tension kind of plateaued and so like when you mentioned like it's that downward embarkment of that or what embarkment but that downward uh slide of that it's like yeah this is introducing brand new information but we're already disengaged with the tension that had been built up relatively well up until it just kind of got a little bit boring um and it's funny because like those those vignettes or those like perspectives that feel like very ominous and blowing out the speakers but um like when those were first introduced like there's a few maybe two or three of them in in the movie and like when they were first introduced i like while i was watching i was like oh maybe this will be a movie that i recommend to mike uh my friend mike who is he's like far and away the biggest horror fan i know um and i was like oh this will be fun i i can text mike um and say hey you know if you have hoopla check this out and everything and then as the movie went on i was just like yeah, it's not really a horror thing. At least it's not, it's, yeah, it's not really yeah. that. So, um, unfortunately mm-hmm. I'm not recommending it to Mike, but yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well and, then, and then, you know, so I guess if we're, if, if we were like, it's not a horror movie, mm-hmm. well, it's a sci-fi movie, yeah. but it, but we also through the movie don't have anything that really strings us along. We get kind of no. this promise. Of, oh, there, cause someone actually says, Oh, it's like, I think she maybe says, it's, it's alien in origin and you're like oh well okay well that's <laughs> interesting but then again there's never a real payoff to that yeah. and it's it's just sort of it's just sort of something they're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah and then, like at the end happens and you know we'll get to the spoiler part of it mm-hmm. uh, but i'm i am still not even sure exactly what that was what we see yeah um, it certainly is different and i had a certain interpretation of it Same. um but then i was also like maybe that's not what it is so. <laughs> yeah we'll have to talk that out in spoilers but the yeah. the one thing i want to mention and this is going to be annoying I, I i promise but like something that i did appreciate and like i'm saying this sincerely not as a bit or anything but like i actually was genuinely pleased with the way that the movie 
uh showcased podcast production like honestly oh. <laughs> like yeah. like i have like i have vivid nightmares of halloween ends uh uh-huh. where they have the re20 mic as a as a side address mic which it's not and like that is like it's it that's a childish stupid joke and everything but it's like a dumb yeah. like it, it's a dumb like nitpick of mine but like here they have like they have the road uh the road procaster on a psa1 boom arm and like she's speaking at it off axis she's like she's actually she's using like uh logic i think to edit it and she's it shows her editing and splicing the stuff and i'm like yes finally mm-hmm. i'm represented um <laughs> but uh, which is also misusing it as we find out in that one in that one segment. Ah you know, yes, which, yes. Yeah, but <laughs> but, but it, you know, which is again the reason why she's in the bad predicament she's in mm. is that she has done something sort of unethical and then she yep. does something else unethical that leads to more problems later on. But yes. Um but also doesn't really directly lead to problem. It just kind of makes somebody mad. Yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> like, yeah like like the whole the whole concept of the movie her being isolated her being alone it being solely on her and her having this backstory of being you know uh, being canceled doing something unethical to get canceled and everything i feel like the ways that that informs her current situation are kind of few and far between it doesn't really seem like it connects all that well. Whereas like when you have a movie like the vast of night, which that movie also kind of ends on a ambiguous, weird, like unexplainable note. But the ride to that was filled with these two characters having like amazing chemistry and having just like this snappy dialogue, all of this like energetic stuff, this filmmaking was incredible. Like you can get away with that kind of ambiguous ending, but here it's like, when we have an absence of that, where there isn't a lot of character stuff, there isn't a lot of of build up emotionally for the character. When mm-hmm. we reach like an ending where it's like, okay, what was that about? It's more like a what was that about rather than oh, was it this was it about? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, which is my professional analysis of the ending of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I in. And I'm I'm gonna and I'm gonna just go ahead and give full credit to my girlfriend because she mm-hmm. she watched it with me and um we had a, a a little bit of a discussion about it and um it and it seems very obvious that, that you know like after we start talking about it that the the larger and we and again we'll get it maybe we'll get into this more in terms mm-hmm. of the spoilers, but it, it ends up sort of being kind of that guilt that mm-hmm. is kind of the that unifying theme is is the things that you do, you know, the the bad things that you do at different times kind of coming back to haunt you. And that's, you know, and I was like, and that's, that's, I was like, oh, she said that. I was like, yes, yes, this, okay, I'm yeah. with you on this. But then she was like, but it still just doesn't go anywhere. And that's just right. the whole problem of this movie is that yeah. it has these couple of different themes of what it could be. Mm. And then what it ends up being is admirable in some ways, but also, does isn't doesn't feel fully explored right and 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 it's you know and and i don't know how to you know i i couldn't it'd be easy for me to say oh yes change this scene and this scene to to this but it it would be it's a little bit harder because it it's such a deep theme and i think i think that's kind of some of the the issue is that they're really trying to tackle a large 
you know, a, a really large idea and they weren't really sure how to. Yeah. Um, because you could certainly make a movie about guilt involving, you know, set during like an alien invasion. You know, yeah. I mean, that's it's happened before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Signs is kind of one that, mm-hmm. that kind of comes to mind, which it, I kind of had a little bit of, you know, I mean, in in just a skeletal kind of way. Yeah. You know, but I, I, it has, <laughs> there are some, um, things that sort of call back to yeah. something like signs too. But uh, again, and, and that movie is very flawed and it's on its mm. own, but this nothing that, that monolith does is anywhere as remotely as interesting as what signs does. I agree. Uh, again, again, not as a movie that I could love a whole lot more than I actually mm-hmm. do, but, um, you know, it, it goes off in weird directions also, but, yeah. you know, in, the Sh- in a Shyamalan kind of way, that's mm-hmm. something different. But but anyway, this is like that. This is almost like an anti-Shyamalan movie because yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of like nothing ever really happens. Right. <laughs> it's just kind of like we're just kind of ambling along and it's not a series of like crazy events meant to scare you and frighten you. It's just kind right. of like we're going to amp up the dread in the most minuscule possible way that yeah. we can and then while being sort of confusing at the end yeah while being meditative but not really seeming like it's really meditating on too deep yes. of anything it's so meditative without a real mantra exactly <laughs> yes like yeah uh do you want to go into spoilers for monolith yeah yeah i think i'm ready to all right well we're gonna go into spoilers for monolith before we do that joe what did you rate this out of five stars uh I, I gave it two and a half. Two and a half. Nice. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, it, it's it's a premise that could be, this movie could have easily been a four star, mm-hmm. you know, four and a half star movie. Um, but it just kind of lacks a lot. It, it feels like yeah. it could use, it, I think it needs somebody else to come in mm-hmm. and to give a pass at it, at the script before it got to be made. Yeah. Um, someone And someone who is seasoned at, making films of this type because the pieces are kind of there. It's mm-hmm. just, it just, I think the script just needed a little bit more work um, yeah. to take out a few things here, add a few other things there. And um, before it was really ready to, to be released to us. And, and yeah. uh, again, I, and I guess before I go, I do want to mention uh, briefly that on, uh, I don't, I don't really know the backstory to this movie, but on IMDb, it's listed as a 2022 release. Yes, I was going to so, bring that up. Like, I guess it was in like uh, on on the festival circuit in 2022. So, yeah. uh, my kind of guess is that it um, is that it was maybe uh, a pandemic movie, and maybe that's why it's yeah. that self-contained thing. Which I'm, I mean, if that's the case, like, I mean, they did a really good job um with with all of that but um but yeah maybe that's why there was a little bit of um not quite like left hand talking to the right hand kind of kind of thing but but yeah Yeah. but let's this does this does feel like a movie that could be like in the middle of a cut like between people between two cuts of a film you know like that's that's kind of what it feels like so uh you know all i'm not saying i'm not going to give it a pass but i'm keeping that in mind like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not a totally unenjoyable film just yeah. as kind of like it's a closer um yeah. but it needed it needs more 
Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, let's go ahead and go into spoilers for Monolith. Once again, it is available on VOD and streaming on Hoopla. I ended up rating it three stars, by the way. We'll talk about that in spoilers. But um, but here we go. Spoilers. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. And when we come back, we're going to be spoiling Monolith. When I listened to your podcast, I thought, that's that damn rock. It's the visions that really get me. It feels violent. My grandfather has changed. Replaced with something else. Stop, stop, stop. Hello? Before I received my break, I had a very strange vision. How do you know if you're having these visions? All right, so spoilers on for Monolith. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I kind of want to start by just talking about the video. Um, okay. When she receives the package and it's that flash drive, mm-hmm. and, like, I did get s- vibes of Signs from that because it reminded me yeah. exactly of the of the birthday party scene in, in Signs. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, like, midway through that whole clip where I was like, oh, is it? it's her. She's, it's her. She's, it's her childhood. And then like when that clicked together, I was just like, I wish this happened 20 minutes earlier. Cause this is such an interesting reveal. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it goes into the whole thing with like the housekeeper was jealous or or they stole it for, I don't, I don't even remember. (laughs) It's kind of convoluted and it comes a little bit too, too late. But, um, what did you make of that whole twist? And yeah, yeah, it was, it was just, yeah, it it just felt so tacked on. So, yeah. So Mm -hmm. again, we, and I think we haven't done a great job of discussing these bricks. Like this this black brick is the sort of talisman that people end up getting. And there's not, they, even as the movie goes along, they're just saying, you know, she she asks, she's like, well, where did it come from? She's like, I'm not really going to talk to you about it. It just seems like it was there. And there was, so the, the implication is that there was, there was some sort of event where it arrives, but the, the first girl who talks about it doesn't want to discuss that for whatever reason. And right. we assume the trauma of it, right? Um, with this character, with with the interviewer or whatever her name happens to be and um she it literally like she literally like vomits it out like yeah. of her body which again like it being inside of her body metaphorically you know going back to the like the guilt metaphor like it fits it fits yeah. in that case in that but also what why like yeah. where did this go? was this inside of her <laughs> and, and there's no logical reason yeah. for it to be there. Is it supposed it's to be not, her visions of it? Like, is that what's? I, yeah, yeah, because they talk about how there are. I, I don't know. They talk about how you have these visions and they're not real, and it's you know they're frightening and all these things. But then also it's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> and what and but. And and this was the first thing I thought was, okay, that that idea of this brick showing up, and also they say the way they say brick, like they're like that's that brick, and it's like <laughs> it feels like something that is going to be foreboding. It's like mm. like the ring, like the ring is another thing it sort of yeah. evokes in some ways, and it's like that videotape, and it's like when you're watching it, it's like that videotape becomes foreboding mm-hmm. and scary in some way or the phone ringing like in scream like the phone ringing became oh, scary yeah. but in this it's like 
it's a brick. It's an <laughs> yeah. inanimate object that mm-hmm. doesn't, and there is never really anything really frightening about it. Right. Other than it just kind of like comes up through her, you know, esophagus and yeah. she kind of vomits it out in this awkward <laughs> way. And then it's just kind of like, okay, well, there's that. Now what? And we just don't really get anything until the end. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but, and like, I kind of, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of like the, uh, the way that it tries to dive into some of the, some of the stuff with it, like the whole, uh, like scanning it and seeing like these, these like letters or these figures that are like an alien language. Like that's really interesting stuff, but mm-hmm. It also just kind of evokes other movies like Arrival. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, it reminds me of Annihilation. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the sum of everything is is saying. Right, um, yeah. Aside from guilt, which does open it up pretty well to being about guilt. But it also seems yeah. a little bit forced with her childhood and it being a mm-hmm. whole thing where it was traded or whatever the deal was with that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so there was... There, there was something where the the first woman that she interviews had been, I don't know, she was a housekeeper. She was the yeah, housekeeper. I think like her mom, or she was a housekeeper, I think. Or, um, yeah, for yeah. The, the main character's family. Mm-hmm. And, be, you know, they later on have this conversation. She's like, oh, my God, like, you're their daughter? And she was like, yes. And she apparently, they apparently, like, stole the brick from her. Uh, and I like that was never real clear to me. Like they apparently stole the brick. Yeah. So and then, so because the the interviewer then thought that she was doing this as some like weird long term revenge plot. You know, it's like you took my brick and now I'm gonna <laughs> torment you years later when you're yeah. an adult. Like it just it just there's, I, and as I was sitting there, I was like, what is what sort of thing? do I have where I would spend 10 years trying to exact revenge on someone for stealing it? Yeah. Like it is like a giant diamond. Like would I spend 10 years for something like that? Like, I mean, I could see an, a, an ongoing vendetta, but I can't imagine something that would spark me to do something like that. So, but anyway, it's not that anyway, but I, yeah. I was still, just like, at least I don't think it was that maybe it was that. I don't, think so because i think well if it was i think it's more about the talismanic principles of the of the brick and how it's like yeah whatever but i i don't know and then by the end of the not to jump around or anything but by the end of the movie when it's like it ends with this ambiguous ending where she is tell she's like i'm gonna tell a story um and like my read of that is that the alien version of her got the upper hand killed her and now is going to spread the invasion through podcasting, which I'm all for. I think that that's a pretty cool ending because Mm -hmm. I like that idea of it reaching, like reaching out to so like millions of people across the world. Like that's a really intriguing ending. Mm -hmm. Um, but just the, the way that it gets there just feels not that well drawn or well thought out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, I mean, well, well, so we mentioned it, so we might as well go through all of that. So yeah. yeah, so she, she vomits up the brick, and then a few minutes later, a a duplicate of herself mm-hmm. walks up to her 
in her house and there's just this weird scene for a couple of seconds where they are just staring at each other and it's just like <laughs> oh like what okay well, this is certainly weird and it turns into a, a chase where you know the 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 proper the main the prime version of this mm-hmm. woman takes off running and the the duplicate chases her and that that's what my my first thought there was yes that was an alien version of her like mm-hmm. an, an invasion of the body snatchers type thing yeah where it's replacing people you know these aliens are replacing people and but again we never really get any sort of confirmation of that like no. not verbally not you know and there's no like newspaper headline or you know tv broadcast where they discuss it it's just sort of like it sort of ends mm. and the it, it ends in the like a a struggle on the shore one of them strangles the other mm-hmm. and throws the body into the the lake that they're by and then she ambles back and starts this podcast again which i didn't even necessarily take it as the alien one i mean that was my assumption mm-hmm. because she like crushes this device with her bare hand yeah um, you know the the recording device she sits out and that that's kind of the thing that sparks is she like turns on the recording device and slides it in between mm-hmm. the two of them. And it's just like, what are you? And she picks it up and crushes it with her. It's like, you know, like a recorder, like her, a phone. It was like the size mm-hmm. of a cell phone. Like imagine her crushing an iPhone in her hands, yeah. you know, like with one hand, like, so you're like, Oh, okay. So she has like superhuman strength also. But then later as they're struggling, she doesn't really seem to have superhuman strength. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of tricky. And, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think it was this, but I think it was a Tascam DR one, DRM one. I think that's what it's called, yeah. a handy okay. recorder. Um, but yeah. okay. I don't know if that's what it is, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter. So, um, but yeah, in in the kind of jokey reaction I had to that was like when she slides the recorder there and hits record and starts talking. I was like, this, this is the ultimate fantasy: interviewing yourself on a podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is right. this is what I need out of my entire life. Um, but, but yeah, it just seems a little bit flimsy. I think that there is a line of dialogue that is in the, in the trailer where one of the callers says that his grandma, his grandfather has changed into someone else. Yes. And I think that's, that's, that's establishing and, and, um, uh, establishing this whole body snatcher concept. But I think that the end, they, they try to have their cake and eat it too, that, yes we don't know who got the upper hand we don't know who is alive and we don't know if her doing the podcast is her spreading the signal to to take over or if that's her spreading if that's like her prime sending like sending messages saying like hey we need to you know cut this out this is this is bad this is all crazy alien stuff yeah um and i kind of wish I don't know if I necessarily needed it to come down one way or the other. I just needed that to land with a little bit more mystique and interest because all the lead up to that just felt a little bit um, not properly built toward. Yeah. 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 I I completely agree. Yeah. So it's, so the, the end kind of the end result of it all is just sort of a kind of generally unsatisfying, you know, a plot, I guess. Yeah. Um, there, there were, you know, again, we we touched on some of the positive things. Mm-hmm. I thought that Lily Sullivan was was pretty fantastic, and yeah. um, it, you know, it it's hard to pull off a one person show like that, right? And she 
does a pretty good job of it. It was just what she was given to do in the midst of it was, you know, it, it made it feel like more like she was holding on for dear life, trying to make things happen rather than the plot kind of carrying us. And, uh, you know, I, I wish that the, the material itself would have been a little stronger than what it was to, and give us something to really wrestle with, I guess a little bit. (laughs) Same, same. Yep. (laughs) Um, uh, any other thoughts on monolith? I don't think I really have anything else to say about it. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of struggling to to <laughs> find things. There, there are, there's a lot of little character beats, but again, mm-hmm. I didn't, I just couldn't care enough about them because yeah. the main story was just, was lacking. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to, again, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Same here. Same here. It's, it's admirable. I, like I said, I rated it three stars. It's, it's definitely not terrible. So, mm-hmm. I mean, check it out if you have, you know, the hour and a half to spare. Um, sure. Once again, it's on VOD, on Hoopla, uh, elsewhere. Uh, yeah, that's our review of Monolith. And uh, Joe, do you want to just do a quick potpourri section um, to round out the episode? Or do you have time? Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah we can do that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I will throw it to you. Is there anything that you've watched lately or... or uh, Anything that you're looking forward to or anything that you've watched lately that you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I I you know, I've I've watched just a few things recently. I watched Ordinary Angels um a mm. couple of days ago. That's the the new Hillary Swank and um uh Alan Rich Alan Richson Richson. Oh yeah, Rich guy, uh the Reacher. Reacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's a it's an odd faith-based movie, which is mm-hmm. odd to see either of them in a movie like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's, uh, I don't know, it was, it was something. <laughs> it, <laughs> sure. It, it was, it, it's just, you know, it was, honestly, it was a regular weepy tearjerker kind of movie with a couple of scenes where it was just like, why don't you talk to Jesus anymore, daddy? Oh, you know, geez. it was just like, there was a scene, like, it's just like the movie goes along and then every once in a while they're like, oh yes, let's trot out something about Jesus. And, <laughs> you know, it's just like, there, there's a scene where, uh, Nancy Travis actually plays um, um, Alan Richson's. Hmm. I don't want to keep saying his name wrong. <laughs> um, his um, so she she plays his mom. She plays Reacher's okay. mom. And there's this scene where it, it's and this is like literally what's happened. Like his wife died. Hmm. His daughter has a terminal illness and is Jesus. about to like if she doesn't get a liver transplant soon, she's going to die. And it's and she so like he's like recounting all of these things like all of the things that make his life suck right now mm-hmm. and she's like and and nancy travis is the mom just is like don't you lose your faith now <laughs> and i'm like where the hell did that come from number one at this point does he have any faith left <laughs> right? at all like he's you know this is pretty this is pretty grim yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> wow and, and it just it just happens, and it's just like again, it's almost just like they're like, oh yes, let's convert this into a, a faith based movie. Alan Richson, <laughs> yeah, I got the name right. Mm. Um, it, it's just like here's this you know very normal movie. Let's just throw drop a scene in here and there. So that that is one thing. It's it's just sort of a, I I would call it a kind of interesting train wreck. Also, okay. um, another guy who I have in my past interviewed, Drew Powell, um, mm. a, another guy from uh, Indiana. Nice. Um, has a small role in this as well. Um, Amy Acker from uh, I don't know. She was in Buffy. And oh she's, yeah, she's in Firefly and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, she has a small role. So there, you know, there's a few recognizable actors. Um, 
but it's it's you know it is what it is it's you know there's a lot of cliches about addiction and helping people and there it this is another one that could have been a whole lot better than it actually was if they had focused less on the Jesus-y part and focused sure. a little more on, like, let's make a good movie. <laughs> um, they they could have made that, they could have made a, a pretty decent weepy tearjerker kind of, you know, my daughter is dying of an incurable illness against all hope, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, there's there's also a lot of scenes here where it's like, my daughter's going to die unless this happened, like this virtually impossible thing uh, happened right now. Geez. And it's just like, and then there's a character was just like, are you really going to do this? Like, <laughs> you can't. there's like, literally is like a snow. It's like, I got to take my daughter to the hospital in the snowstorm. And, and the grandma character, Nancy Travis's character is just like, you can't do that. She'll get a cold. Oh my it, God. You, know, like, it's, it's, you can't take her out in the <laughs> snowstorm. Like you're going to crash. It's like, She's going to die if she doesn't get this thing done. Like, what are we doing at this point? That's like, fantastic. <laughs> this to be the person to say, you can't do this. And it's like, <laughs> this is going to happen. So, oh, so wow. that, that's a movie that I saw that was, you know, it was again, less that's, uh, well, I'll say it like this. I, I, in my current, again, it's very early. I don't want to mm-hmm. not casting aspersions, but, uh, Monolith is my second worst movie of the year so oh. far. Up to 10. I've seen 10 movies. Okay. Okay. So like, let's not get crazy. <laughs> yeah. um, Ordinary Angels is the, the worst mm-hmm. um, I've seen. But again, it's just like kind of bad, you know, sure. at that point. So, um, what wow. else have I watched recently? I watched The Greatest Night in Pop, which is the documentary oh, on yeah. Netflix about the uh, recording of We Are the World. Um, that's that's a, kind of a, a big mm. like milestone event in my life. And I found the documentary utterly fascinating. Nice. It's got, you know, it's got interviews with people. They're telling stories about. So it's got like Lionel Richie is sort of the main character, I guess, if you want to call him that. Um, and so there's a lot of talking about like how he he uh, recruited Michael Jackson, and then it like led into you know Billy Joel and, and Diana Ross and uh, Dionne Warwick, and you know like basically uh, Hall and Oates, or at least I think Daryl Hall. Um, Quincy Jones was, of course, involved, but it's basically like this assemblage of the greatest talent that was available, you know, musically in the world. And pretty much all of them assembled after the Grammys, immediately after the Grammys, and did, pulled an all nighter to record this song. It, I found it just completely fascinating. Nice. There's a great bit about Bob Dylan, about how nervous Bob Dylan was, because wow. there's all these like, magnificent singers you know like people with the huge voices and here he is with this little like nasally thing that mm-hmm. is a little nasally bit and he was scared to sing and they had to like give him this pep talk and be like no listen like we want you here to do what you do oh, so wow. you do what you do and you know so if you listen to that song like he has a little section of his own right and it's like that's kind of it um <laughs> so that that was a that was pretty strong i saw one called nice. drift which has um uh, I feel bad. Oh, uh, Cynthia Erivo and Aaliyah oh. Shawcat. Aaliyah Shawcat, who I know mostly from uh, Arrested Development. Yeah. And Cynthia Erivo, who's kind of up and coming herself. Um, that was a pretty. That was a pretty decent movie. It's a, another one of these movies where they're just kind of, you know, there's a character kind of ambling about, and uh, but this one kind of goes somewhere. Okay. <laughs> a, so it's a, uh, uh, it it's pretty solid. I uh, you know I won't get too far into it, um, mm. but it's a, a, a woman who's a refugee. Um, from a West African country and she's on a Greek Island and she's homeless. And um, she's basically trying to 
get by and you know like survive and she is trying to also lay low for some reasons hmm. um and she ends up meeting um some she ends up meeting people basically who are kind of helping her um it uh, i would call it a i would call it a, a nice solid movie um kind of a three three and a half star movie okay. um that that you know that you you know i i think most people will will enjoy especially if they're if they're a fan of like those hard scrabble drama kind of like showy this is yeah. this is a movie that if it had gotten a little bit more had a little more behind it it would have been like an oscar contender kind of thing you okay. know it would have come out it would have come out in late october or early november and you know we would have gotten a screener for it for that but <laughs> yeah uh, but I, I don't think it quite rises to that level but i don't okay. also don't think it really it doesn't have to you know like it's, sure. it's a fine movie that is worth watching and has some some you know some really good performances it's it's pretty low key but um but again there's some things happening um so yeah th- that's nice. that's a couple of things i've i've got kind of my whole list here but mm-hmm. um i i don't want to go into everything sure it, quite <laughs> frankly it's not all really worth mentioning sure sure uh yeah i'll i'll would... kind of huh <laughs> <laughs> what have you watched lately oh yeah so i i haven't watched that much stuff that i haven't already covered uh uh all over the place like um yeah i do want to say though that i uh did see uh, lisa frankenstein uh i'll go ahead and talk about that lisa frankenstein with uh uh catherine newton um uh directed by zelda williams written by diablo cody um and it was it was reasonably enjoyable the story is about kind of um uh, and kind of offbeat loner girl. Uh, it's uh, in 1989, a misunderstood teenager has a high school crush who just happens to be a handsome corpse after a set of playful, horrific or playfully horrific circumstances brings him back to life. The two embark on a murderous journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts along the way. Um, so it's a pretty interesting kind of offbeat horror comedy where, they're basically assembling this man to be a real live boy. Um, in the areas that it goes to is, is pretty enjoyable. I think the biggest standout for the movie for me was Catherine Newton. I think she does a phenomenal job playing this just very kind of deranged, but charmingly so, uh, character. And it's, it's kind of fun, but I think the, the kind of, the sum of all of its parts doesn't really kind of complete to a, to a very memorable movie. But, um, I do think that it, there's a pretty, it's a pretty decent directorial debut by Zelda, Zelda Williams though. So, uh, I do recommend checking it out. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, it also has Cole Sprouse. Yes. Cole Sprouse. My daughter is a fan of, you know, from, he's from, uh, I, I know him first from big daddy. Um, Oh yeah. then he's he's been in a bunch of i don't know he's he was in riverdale right more yeah. more recent jughead I, and uh, was he jughead yeah jughead yeah. and uh um he was what's the other he was i don't know this was it like the sweet life yeah the sweet life that's oh him. was it sweet yeah. life with zach yeah Curry? yeah yeah, okay. yeah i'm looking he's in wizards yeah. of waverly place mm-hmm. so wasn't he he was one of the twins that was the kid in friends ross's son and friends yes yes yes, yes. was that too yeah yep yep um yeah so yeah so lisa frankenstein was okay um 
couple other really quick ones I'll run down and then we can we can kind of end the episode. Um, I also watched uh, Suburbia on Criterion Channel. It's actually leaving Criterion Channel today when you guys are listening to this on the 29th. Happy Leap Day. Um, but uh, Suburbia, it's uh, 1996, uh, Richard Linklater, kind of slacker comedy, coming of age comedy. It's kind of like... Um, Basically, just a meld of slacker and dazed and confused, but not as good as either for me. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like it, I think that if I had seen it when I was in my early to mid 20s, I'm in my late 30s now. If I had seen it in my early to mid 20s, that brand of like Gen X kind of pseudo intellectual, um, listless uh kind of in between phases of life uh kind of motif would have spoken to me the way that like clerks or dazed and confused or uh other movies like that did at the time i probably would have taken to suburbia a little bit more but and at the end of the day it just didn't really work all that well for me um it just, yeah, like the ensemble is solid, but um, there are certain things that the that the movie goes through, or certain areas that the movie kind of veers into that doesn't really like. There's a whole subplot with I think it's Nicky Cat. Um, he plays like this kind of deranged guy who's like former military, and he's he's a little bit off, like like he's a little bit he's very agitated at a lot of things, and he's very aggressive. And then he and Parker Posey, um, Parker Posey plays like a label executive or assistant, an assistant to a famous singer from the town who comes back to the town uh, and pals around, pals around with the group. Um, so they kind of hit it off. And then there's the that um, plot line goes down a kind of dark path that lingers for a long time before... Link later just kind of pulls the rug out from under you and kind of just reverses it. And it's like, it would have made some interesting commentary and done, it, it would have went down to some interesting paths if it would have committed to that, but the movie didn't want to commit to it. And and that's kind of all across the movie too. It's just a lot of, uh, a lot of setups with not a lot of very strong payoffs. Cause it's kind of that, that slacker kind of slice of life sort of, thing it's like it's a scripted movie it's not improv improv or anything but um it just didn't really didn't really work all that well for me so that's suburbia it's if you're listening to this in the first 24 hours of release it's got like x number of hours left on uh criterion channel right now <laughs> uh <laughs> to it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um there, there yeah. is if if you're a fan of true crime documentaries mm-hmm. There is um, one that I saw recently called Lover, Stalker, Killer. It's on Netflix. It's one of those Netflix oh, nice. ones. Um, that it, at the very least, it has an interesting twist to it. Okay. Uh, it, it does, you know, it, it's true crime. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, it, it was pretty engaging from that standpoint of um, of having this sort of like major twist in it that was... Uh, that was kind of interesting. So that's right. worth seeing if you haven't, if you haven't caught that. Sweet. Um, yeah. Not, you can see that on Netflix now. It's, it was when I watched it, it was like, you know, one of the top 10 things. So yeah. Um, Is it you know, a documentary feature or docu-series? It, it's a, it's a feature. Okay. So, nice. so it, it's essentially about a, a man and, and it kind of touched base for me is 
someone who in the last several years has used dating services. I'm not, oh, yeah. but, um, but uh, uh, like dating apps and things. So it's basically about a man who gets divorced. He has a couple of kids and he has to move to Omaha, Nebraska to be near his children. Cause his ex-wife moves there. So he starts dating and he meets this woman who um, he goes on a date with, and then he goes on a date with another woman has an uncomfortable exchange with the first woman he dated. And then suddenly this woman is texting him um, threats and oh, no. like, like I'm going to devote my life to ruining yours Jesus. because of the single date that we had. And it's, it's bizarre and mystifying in some ways, but uh, and then again, there's a, there's a pretty major twist uh, that, that comes about that kind of turns the whole movie on its head. That's um, that is, you know, is at least notable for that. You yeah. know, it's, it's that, <laughs> it's that kind of stereotypical tale of, you know, like, love gone crazed but it's sure. not even really that and again the the twist makes it something maybe crazier than what you you know that you then you're thinking when you start watching it so okay uh, it's hmm. it's certainly worth a look um if you're into uh especially into true crime docs like that it's nice um it, it's uh it's pretty solid so maybe check that one out too nice that's lover stalker killer it is currently on netflix uh nice well joe that'll bring us to the end of episode 417 of the obsessive viewer podcast right. uh thank you so much for joining me for the secondary review um super super glad to have you have you on the show and uh Absolutely. brent if you're listening thank you for joining me for the first half of this episode that has totally been recorded already and not out of out of order <laughs> He was, uh, he was terrific yeah yeah he was great. oh absolutely our review of yeah. of driveway dolls is one of the best i've ever done um <laughs> monoliths not included I, so I could have participated in this yeah. also but, yeah. you know i had things happening this week so yeah so uh thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week tiny and i are going to be reviewing dune part two and the secondary review of that will be for spaceman uh, so that'll be coming out on March 7th. Um, uh, once again, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for a ton of stuff there. Um, and yeah, uh, and also check out Joe's work on MidwestFilmJournal.com and also check out the Medium Cool Movie Podcast. A uh, lot, of, lot of good stuff there. Um, once again, yeah, once again, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, and thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. And now, enjoy this short clip from our Patreon-exclusive feed. For this and more exclusive content, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Um, and I just love that this is how the show is exploring that that sense of guilt that Hugh has, while also still concealing uh, from us what actually happened. Like, what is the cause of him abandoning his children in an effort to save them from whatever is at hell house which i think is again another case of brilliant storytelling in that thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer podcast this episode was produced and edited by me matt hurt if you have feedback thoughts on our reviews or just want to connect you can email me at matt at obsessiveviewer.com for more information on all of our shows, including a full archive of our episodes and show notes, plus plenty of written reviews, visit obsessiveviewer.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please give us a follow on social media and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice so you never miss an episode. Also, consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible to help increase our visibility and help grow our community. If you want to support the show and help keep us going while getting early access to new episodes as well as a steady stream of exclusive content, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Our theme song is A Little Mad Sometimes by As Good As It Gets. For more of their music, check them out on Spotify and at asgoodasitgetsmusic.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>